All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? You guys need the muscle of the pain. I'm in my prime. The muscle of the pain. I'm in your mind. Ain't it cool? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. DJ Nubis and DJ Neko back with you episode 113 of the Hordes of Chaos on the Metal Tavern Radio podcast how are you doing I am doing good uh yeah feeling pretty good I am too I we were just kind of chatting before uh before the the show and I'm like lots of good news have been coming our way um you know I have been busy at work but I, part of me really likes being busy at work because I feel useful and I've kind of started to balance it a little bit better like and I'm very fortunate that we have this thing called permissive time at work where we really don't have like oh you get two weeks vacation plus you know 10 personal days or whatever it's like if you need to take time off you just go into we have a, a website that you log into and say I need to work from home this day or I'm taking four hours off for for leave and your your boss just basically approves it so I've been trying to balance that more and it was nice that I took the afternoon off on Friday to do some stuff for myself like I haven't done anything I just went and got my hair done I mean I know that's not exciting for our metal listeners but for me to be by myself just doing something for myself having a good nice beautiful hair day and then it kind of refreshed me. And then we, we watched a bunch of movies and Joe Bob last night. It was very relaxing, don't you think, yesterday? Yeah, it, it's funny because it's also... <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's good and bad. We, we, this week has been busy. Like, mm-hmm. You wouldn't think it, but it was. Um, I took off Tuesday for 420 Digit Fest, which we'll get to later on, uh, how that went down. But... Neko and I have also been invited now to participate with that fat samurai guy, Mr. Tony Adet, on their Versus show. Uh, it's not something that's probably going to happen all the time, but uh, definitely, uh, I think with Tony, it might be more of a weekly thing, where samurai might be here and there. But the, uh, what, obviously, if you're familiar with Samurai Guy, he's got a bunch of different shows. It's all video, so Nick and I are on video yeah, with Yeah, which them. is kind of scary, because I, I don't do video. <laughs> <laughs> I 
We did all right. Uh, we found out that our headpieces uh, had our mics headphones on. had our our earbuds had built-in mics, and we have this nice. Um, it's called Blue it's something. A Yeti. It's a, Yeti. Yeti, a Yeti Blue mic, and it's actually pretty good. Like I listen to our our podcast just a lot of times for sound checks, and it sounds really good. So then when we're re- we're listening back to Samurai Guy, and we sounded like we were in a fucking car. And well, it, it, it was because our mics on our our earbuds were picking us up instead of our Yeti, and it sounded actually both was they were they were kind of. But like, I was giving feedback. It was a not good. Bit. Yeah, that wasn't it wasn't as bad as she makes it sound. I went back and listened to the show. There were some points where it was worse than others, uh, but we ordered some new headsets, which should correct that problem. But overall, the show was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was, was fun. It was Warlock versus Wishmaster. And we watched both movies uh, to prepare for it. We gave our thoughts on it. Um, Mr. Tony the Dead is going to happen next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern. I've already watched Black Roses. Neko's going to have to do that while I'm working the next three days. But we'll probably later tonight watch Rocktober Blood to prepare for that as well. I have not seen that ever, so that would be a first for me on that. Is it on um, Tubi? Yeah. Well, no, it's both of them are on uh, YouTube. Okay. But... Uh, I'll send you a link for the other one, but uh, okay. Yeah, so obviously these movies are a little more obscure. I do remember Black Roses from back in the day when I was a teen because of friends of mine who said, "Oh yeah, you need to check out Black Roses." I did find out that Black Roses has one of like my all-time favorite songs in it, uh, even though the band's not performing it. <laughs> what song is it? Uh, it's Lizzie Borden's "Me Against the World." Oh wow! Yeah, but. Uh, you know, Neko's going to watch them. You know, we'll watch the other one tonight, and then we'll jot down our ideas about it, and then we'll, you'll see us on Mr. Tony Dead's channel when he finally gets that video uploaded when we do it. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, but it also means we have to take even more time now to prepare for that because we take a time to prepare for this show. Uh, luckily, it, 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 you know, it's a give or take, and there's that damn dryer. Or Sorry. Sorry. You know, Neko's working a lot throughout the week, so it's up to me to make sure that the music's in place, uh, topics, whatever we're going to talk about. Um, but she still has to take time to do the movie reviews, which we have her t- this afternoon, uh, her pick of the week in the retro DVD vault. So it- it's busy, but it's fun, um, and we just have to kind of make time for it. You know, we just bought tickets for Joe Bob, who we watched last night. For his uh, jamboree in July, which means we'll be driving up to PA uh, to the drive-in to actually check out this three-day event with uh, Joe Bob and Darcy and them. Don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a guy that is much like um, Elvira or uh, I, I forget the woman's name. I did up all night. Uh, all night. Rhonda Shear. Uh, so he he was doing Monster Vision back in the 90s and whatnot and doing similar things where he'd show, like, just horror movies and stuff on, I think it was TNT. Uh, but now he's come back on Shudder doing his uh, Joe Bob's Late Night Drive-In on there. And it's a lot of fun. Every Friday now, he's in season three now. He's, this is his second week. How did we figure that out? Because we started watching him pretty soon, like, when he... Um, and now <laughs> and now we watch him live. Like, before we would just catch them. Right, yeah, I think... When they first brought him back, they were just testing the waters to see how it did, which is something fun for Joe Bob to do. But then it, it became picking up steam. There was a lot of fans that had been with him over the years that really, really wanted to see him bring that back. And so 
Now, he doesn't have the luxury, and this is probably the, the agreement that he has with Shudder, is that the movies that he does on his, his channel right now with Shudder is movies that are actually on Shudder. He can't stray off the reservation and do other movie reviews. So he's showcasing movies that Shudder has on their roster currently. So Which last is night, kind of great. No, it's good. And, I, and it's understandable that Shudder would want him to, to focus on stuff they're promoting themselves. So Audition was one of the movies last night. And then, um, shit, what was the second one? The class of 1984. Yeah, Because yeah. I've never seen that one. Yeah. Um, we we watched Audition a couple of years ago. And oh, yeah. We, we were quite familiar with that movie. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I think I've only seen Audition once. But it made such an impact on me that she I knew it. what movie it was <laughs> because I, I wasn't there when he was, like, announcing. and. Yeah, we caught him kind of late because we were watching the Russian movie for draft day. So then we turned it on, and then I'm like, oh, oh, that's <laughs> Oh, God. It is, it is, if you like, like, a torturous movie, and there's some really gross parts, yeah. Yeah, Joe Bob mentioned that audition was, <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Audition was kind of like a, a prequel for Eli Roth to do Hostel, which is like these torture movies that came out later on. So, I mean, Audition was released around 99 or 2000, so... Uh, and obviously being an Asian movie, it, it all kind of kick-started, like, the Ringu came out shortly after mm -hmm. that with the ring, and he mentioned, you know, again, you got these women that are a focal point in these Asian horrors that, like, have the long black hair and the scary looks, and... I, I have to honestly say, like, when you and I watched the ring together, when we saw it together for the first time, we were in my, my parents' basement is actually the best place to sleep in the summer. I know that sounds crazy, but yeah, it's, cool it's shit so there. cool. And they have a, they have a pullout couch down there. And so we would go down there and watch movies and stuff, but it's dark. There's not, there's nary a window. There is nary light down there. So we're in bed watching the ring, shitting our pants. And then we're like, maybe we should go upstairs to my room because it's just it's a little cold down here, don't you think? And then there's a giant TV less than yeah, but she's, an she's, inch away from our she bed. Didn't, she didn't want to go up to the room. She's like, I need to have the TV on just to watch. She's like, no, turn the fucking TV <laughs> turn off. Turn the TV off. Because <laughs> like... Where the the pull out couch was, like once you pull the couch open, the like your feet are maybe inches away from the TV. I'm like the bitch is gonna come through the TV and pull me through. Well, the funny thing about stuff like that is, and then of course we were older, so it's kind of cheesy that we got that scared over. Yeah, doing. well, but I, even as a kid, like I always say to myself, well, if I if I go to my room or if I sleep here, it means whatever's gonna get me is gonna get my sisters first. Oh, okay. So you let so, them get your sisters right, first. Right. Okay. So this way I can get away. So you can hear the screaming. And, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> so that's sort of like our thinking because your dad and mom sleep in the room across from that. So that was kind of funny. Uh, that was a funny night. Anywho. A uh, lot of new music to get to today. New Cannibal Corpse, Super Links, uh, Symphony of Heaven, which we'll get to later. I'm, I'm in love, in love with that Oh, yeah? Song. Yeah. He, uh, Logan put, like, a total, like, enslaved vibe in his new music. Oh, uh, I like that. Yeah. You know, I, we love enslaved. Um, I also got some classic stuff in there as well. I've been trying to do a little bit better mixing that in there. I know I've said that in the past, and we've sometimes overdid it with the new stuff. But uh, definitely got some classic stuff in there as well. 
Uh, we will get to Mortal Kombat. Um, Fat Samurai Guy and Lady Fatblood actually released a video last night reviewing it. I agree with like almost 100% of what they said about it. I know Neko did too because we were kind of not sure what to think of it after we watched it. Uh, so we'll get into that a lot. Uh, so let's get into our first block. Uh, new stuff here from David Redman uh, sent to us by Against PR. And new stuff here called uh, from a band called Bewitcher. It's a satanic magic attack. <laughs>
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Hey, we're back. We are back. Oh, love Josh Gray, don't you? Yeah, he's awesome. Very awesome guy. He's very, um, you, I don't know how did you discovered him because he's on YouTube and, um, I think we, we got the Xbox, I keep saying Xbox 360, but it's not. It's whatever the newer Xbox one is. Xbox One. Um, that my, my nephew gave, this is sad, my nephew, my 16 year old nephew gave. Oh, they already know the story. <laughs> Gave Anubis this uh, Xbox for for Christmas because he got the new PlayStation that nobody could get. That my sister somehow found a dude who pre-ordered two of the new PlayStations, and um, he got them both. And then he didn't like gouge my sister at all. He basically sold it to my sister for like maybe 25 or 50 bucks more than what the actual retail of it is. And if you go online, like on, on eBay and stuff, people are like selling them things. That was kind of the funny thing, because when Tyler said that he got the PS5, I was like joking around. I was like, well, good, you can give me Xbox One. He's like, yeah, you want it? And I'm like, yeah, I want it. <laughs> well, because he has, um, at one point he had two Xboxes, and he traded one of them in for maybe the other playstation probably or something and then he's he's my, my nephew was notorious for that he's always like trading in old game systems and all now he's really into pc gaming and he's got this like gigantic thing going the funny on. thing is like you know i, I would have bought like new game system but it's so ridiculously priced now it's like insane like ps5 is like 600 bucks and on top of that you can't find them anywhere you really have to like be on your game to look for them and um they sell out so fast, and then, like I was saying, they sell them on eBay for like $1,200, and I'm like, not paying that for a fucking video game system. But Anubis really, like, he signed up for the Xbox Game Pass, game yeah. pass so there's a lot of games you can play just monthly. Well, and that's the thing, like, now everything's done digitally, kind of like music, and... It's actually worth it. I can pay this monthly fee of like 15 like, bucks. Yeah, it's like 15 bucks. But I have access to virtually thousands of games. It's games that, that you care about, too. It's not like... And even if they, like, in some cases, like right now I'm playing Injustice 2. Uh, so kind of like Mortal Kombat 11. Like, they have these downloadable content for characters and whatnot. So I ended up getting a bundle for like 8 bucks before I get all the characters. Mm -hmm. So that's an extra eight bucks, eight, eight bucks that I paid, but it's not much. Like Before, like back in our day, when you had to go out and buy every game that was like 50 bucks a piece. Right, well, like, you think about, like, I still play World of Warcraft, but in order to get the expansions, you know, it's not like a discount price. Like, you're still paying like 50 bucks for that expansion. Oh, it's so ridiculous. I think whoever invented World of Warcraft <laughs> is a fucking genius, because now they've got like a hundred servers, so many people playing worldwide, and it's a fucking racket. You don't just buy the game. You have to... It's like you lease the game for the rest of your life, because you buy the game, and then in order to play the game, you have to pay 15 bucks a month. And we've been doing that probably well, for the last 15 years. Xbox, you know, they, they have a similar thing. Like, if I were to stop 
on my uh, pay my monthly thing for Game Pass, I wouldn't have access to all the games I do. Now, some I do. Like, I think I bought MK11 digitally, so that would be mine. Uh, plus, I think, speaking of Joshua Gray, uh, everyone who participated in DigiFest, their names went into, like, a, a little a bag or whatever, and there were winners who won things, which I wasn't even really aware of. I did, didn't even think much about it because I don't ever win shit. Usually it's this bitch over here that wins shit I don't usually radio. win a lot of stuff. She used to win shit on the radio all the time. Like, it was so ridiculous. But anyway, uh, Mortal Kombat, since it came out yesterday, uh, and this is Tuesday that DigiFest took place, uh, Joshua was working with them, and for winners, they got these Mortal Kombat combo packs or whatever prizes. I don't haven't seen what I got yet. Uh, but he told me and informed me that I was one of the winners, so I gave him my address and everything. So I'm going to be getting something soon for that. So I'll let everyone know what I got when it shows up. Uh, the day of the Dujo Fest, this is what was fun about it. And again, I wasn't too aware of like exactly how... I thought it was just going to be me chatting with people in rooms, which I was doing anyway, but you were actually expected to be on video. You could you could easily block out your video if you didn't want to be seen, but I'm like, oh, wow, I have a new camera. Let's, let's fucking do this. So, obviously, I jumped into the gaming room, which is where I spent all my time. There was four different rooms. One was for the chef guy that would teach you recipes for cannabis and how to make either sweets or food with cannabis. Uh, there was another woman who actually educates you on cannabis and what the pros and cons are. She taught you uh, there's different types of cannabis for how you want to feel, if you want to be energetic or just laid back, mellow, whatever. Uh, I need to find this energetic cannabis because right. all the years that I've uh -huh. ever like it's eaten or smoked weed, like <laughs> now, granted, I I'm not I I'm not a connoisseur. It, it used to just be like once a year on my birthday, a friend of ours would make us pot cookies, and it was it was wonderful. And I mean, she's gone. She moved to Colorado, and um, for my job, I just really couldn't partake. So I haven't partaken in like four years. But every time. I just fall asleep, like, right on the couch. I actually told one of the other fans that were in there that came in that day, and I told her the story about my five pot cookies Oh, my story. God. <laughs> she was laughing. She was like, oh, my Lord. And you're like, they just were so tasty. Yeah, they taste really good. I'm like, good. dude, they left me alone in front of chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, and then my, you know, Neko comes by, and she's like, how you feel? How many did you take? I'm like, well, I don't feel anything. I ate five. She's like, wait, five? <laughs> yeah, because I had one, and I, I knew better. I had yeah. one. And no I'm one like, warned me that it was like an hour later. Yeah, I'd be edibles, like, trash. Edibles, like, take a little while, and they last a lot longer. Like, when you smoke weed, it's like, yeah, I smoked weed, and then you it hits you, like, almost instantaneously, yeah. and then it's done with in about an hour or two. Edibles, they stay with you. And even After you five, make sure if you eat five, don't take don't go don't go to work the next day because you he not didn't make it he couldn't get out of bed he's no. he's like he got up and he's like nope i actually the next day because i had one earlier and then one later i still woke up and i'm like i'm still feeling this a little bit i was even like being a little uh ballsy at work i usually don't like <laughs> i never talked back to my boss or anything and then i was like yeah whatever whatever you say and i was just kind of being a little snippy but that Digifest, man, I I was at work. I didn't work from home that day. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> God, what is wrong with me? I'm so sorry, guys. Um, So I came home, 
and he's got the camera up and I'm like hear all this talking and stuff I was like oh my god he's like chatting with all these people it was just really well done and he had so Anubis has two separate computers downstairs like it's not two monitors on one computer it's two separate computers and so on one he's like chatting in in the room and then on the other on the digifest he had like another room open with somebody so he could watch and he could participate and, and actually uh in the game room uh there's a guy named mr aquaman he's another pretty good guy like joshua he plays the games a lot uh they both know each other a long time they did some probably uh, I'm assuming when Josh has done some of these uh, game conventions where people play there I think Aquaman was there doing shows when they've known each other a long time so they both were a part of this and I was in there with Aquaman I was one of the first ones in there and we were chatting a little bit and he was a very cool guy uh, as a couple hours later when everybody started getting in there he's like hey uh, dog soldier man you want to that's my screen and of course we changed the DJ and it was that but at the time it was dog soldier 70 so he's like you want to you want to play i'm like uh sure if you need some practice on beating on somebody let's let's do it <laughs> so uh we went in there and he was really fun he was having a good time we I think we had like five matches and i did imagine win like one fight like uh, it wasn't like an entire fight just one fight. one one match <laughs> yeah i got him right at the very end i was playing katana and uh he was playing who was he playing was it kotal khan i think so i i can't remember but uh, he's really good. <laughs> Put it that way. Uh, he ended up really beating my ass, but he was really cool about it. And, and that's really what all it is. I'm just trying to have fun. Like, I don't consider myself, like, the best PvP player. Even in Mortal... Even in WoW, I don't really play PvP that much. I play a lot of environmental stuff. So, when I'm playing Injustice 2 or Mortal Kombat, it's mostly AI and try to build up my characters and get their gear and stuff like that. I mean, I have been working on Quintana Libis so I can beat Neko's ass the next time I play. But, uh... See, the problem is, I haven't been practicing or anything in a while, and I'm still gonna kick your ass, so... She, she, she just talked way too much shit. Oh, well. Um, but the cool thing about Aquaman and Joshua is that they, uh... There was, like, two main event fights, which... It, it's almost like a boxing match you watch on TV... But it's all in game. It's a Mortal Kombat. So you had Aztec versus Baylina uh, was the, the, what are they called, the undercard. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Baylina is actually very good. Uh, the, the, the whole match itself just didn't go as well as people probably thought it might. Uh, Aztec won all. It was the first person to win 10 matches. That's how these work. And Aztec went 10 nothing on her. Like, just... You know, it wasn't. She did fight. She did win a few matches here and there, not just the total matches, but fights. Uh, but in the end, Aztec was the one that just kind of like blew her out the door there. But she did very well. Uh, the fights were competitive, so it's not like it was boring or anything. It wasn't like Aztec was fighting me or some shit like that. <laughs> that would have been over in like ten minutes. Um, but the, the the main card was K7 Show Off versus Han Rashid, and, and that actually went to distance. I know Neko was watching that a little bit with me. I think Show Off won 10 matches to 8. Like, it was really that close. They were just kind of going back and forth. In fact, Rashid had jumped up to like a 4 or 1 advantage in that. And then he switched. He switched to a different um, yeah, character. He, yeah, well, it was funny because he, well, he, he got up on him, and then Show Off jumped over to he started out as 
who did he start out as? Was it Katana? And then he moved to Sub Zero, and then he just started annihilating Rashid at this point. Uh, and Rashid kind of stuck with it, and then he changed to somebody else for a while, but then he eventually came back to Fujin. That's who he'd start out with, and then he started getting back into it. Um, but apparently these two guys have played each other in the past uh, just for fun or whatever, and they were like really familiar with each other, so you can tell that they just they really knew what they were doing. So they <clears throat> they they play each other regularly, or yeah, because it, it's it's combat league, and you know I'm sure they're in there a lot playing it, so they're probably two of the top. Like that's one reason why Josh chose these people; they're like the best of the best in that combat league. So. Uh, you know, they get paid. I think the winner show-off got, like, 200 bucks. Uh, Rashid got some sort of uh, financial... Got, like, a little c- consolation. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, Josh made it worth their while to come and do this for us, and that was really cool. But you had Aquaman and Joshua doing play-by-play. It was literally just like you were watching WWE or uh, UFC, whatever. You know, you're just you're hearing them, and they're doing, just flawlessly doing this. Like, yeah, you know... Show off, show, you know, he's doing this, and oh man, Rashid kind of missed out on that. It was like color there. commentary, you know, like, it's yeah. exactly what it was, and they were really good. And I think that's where their back history with those two guys actually comes from because I think they did that when they were doing it live. Now, Josh may correct me if you ever listen to this and say it might be something else how they knew each other, but that's how I kind of figured they just flawlessly worked together when they were uh, commentating this, uh, these matches. So it was really a lot of fun. Uh, and especially since it's all digital, no one was together here. It was like everything was done all over the U.S. Right. So it was a, it was the first time they had tried this, and it's it's really it worked out really well. So Josh put in a lot of work and a yes, lot of his did. own time to fact, to he, do this. He usually does his Mortal Kombat stuff, you know, his his usual YouTube channel like during the week, and I hadn't seen him for like two weeks. So he was really doing promo work and preparing for uh, Digifest on Tuesday and it turned out great like it was five hours um, I, there had to be at least 100 to 200 people in there so he, he did pretty well with that um, I don't know what if they got any donations out of it or anything I know I, I'd been kind of kicking money at him for a few weeks prior to that to help him out prepare for this so uh, I have no problem doing that I love helping him out but it was a lot of fun, and uh, and that's the important part. Like sometimes, I feel like people when they when they start doing this online stuff, it almost turns into like, yeah, this is my job, and it's not. You don't feel the passion anymore. And um, with this, you know, he was really passionate about it. He loves Mortal Kombat. He loves gaming. He loves weed. <laughs> so he found a bunch of people. And, I mean, that has got to be hard because first you have to make sure everybody with the technology can handle it. Right. Right? So, and everybody nowadays is like, okay, well, we all have cameras and we all have well, Zoom. and Yeah, it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum with, like, marijuana and stuff like that. Like, even if you're someone's anti-drug, whatever. It wasn't like, oh, hey, drugs are good for you. This isn't like some cheesy shit like that. They literally have people, experts, talking on this stuff who know what they're talking about and do this for a living. There are people that, the chef and the educator, this is what they do for their real lives. So this wasn't like just some Joe Schmo that they signed up to come do this. These are people that actually do this for a living. So, And the girls that were like trying out 
they because they were showing like the difference between pre-rolls i guess like yeah. in some some places you can get pre-rolls like a, a lot of states have that available and they're like our verdict is pre-rolls are okay but they're not that great but here if you do this you know exactly what you're getting I'm like they were very educated like mm -hmm. telling you you know if you're gonna do this you want it to be an enjoyable thing so why would you buy something or take something that's not enjoyable for you and this is what we recommend and blah 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 i was like this is crazy like it was it was i had a blast like i just it, again like sh sh that version of sub-zero that show off had was like my wet dream like i wish i could play sub-zero like that and i was explaining neko because she actually asked me a very cool question which i'm always so proud what she does oh, no. about how you do the combos and how these fighters like how utilize do you practice because everything is practice like like dance you go and you practice you practice and you learn well how do you practice mortal Kombat? like yeah, do you that, just play but you know, when you when i play i go back to my my old you know things that i know like how do you learn these new combos and make them so that they're effective and he go ahead yeah it was just you know they do put a lot of work. These guys, they live this stuff. Josh lives this stuff. So they're fighting online exactly that. Like, they practice a lot. I wish I had time to do that. I don't. But it's not just stringing combos together. It's like when I talked about how Showoff and Rashid have familiarity with each other is that you're watching them fight. And, I mean... They are constantly, it's like a chess match. They are constantly trying to figure out what the next one's going to do. And if one starts to do something that's getting the advantage on the other, the other one's all of a sudden like, okay, now I need to change up my combo work, need to change up my defense. And you're seeing this going live. Like, you wouldn't think there's much to it, to gaming like this, but yeah, it's insane. Like, I was like blown away just how good these guys are. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, it was so much fun, though. And But, I mean, explain to them how you explained to me, like, how they put in the time. Because he was explaining to me that in Mortal Kombat there's training modes. And there's one where you literally have a guy and he's not fighting back at all. So Yeah, Josh, they... like, Josh, when he's doing his combat lead on his YouTube channel during a week, and this is how I kind of, like, just learned things from him. You know, he's going into that practice mode and... He, like he he's very cool like what i like about josh is when he goes into combat league he's not just some people when they get in the combat league they're playing whatever character they feel like they can win with josh he's just he takes a chance with any particular character but he sticks with that character through all of it like it doesn't matter if he starts losing with it he sticks with all of this so last season he was doing jackie jackie briggs uh before that he was doing sindel uh, this season he starred Johnny Cage and like, these are characters that he's not super familiar with but he goes in he starts practicing their combos and he goes into these practice modes and he's like doing these strings of combos now he has a pretty good idea how he wants to do things so that's already an advantage there for him because he's been playing for so long but he also understands that okay I have this particular variation with my special moves now if I find it i'm in a middle of like that that specific variation might work for say two or three days worth of fights but then on the third day he starts finding out that guys are noticing his tendencies so they're like okay 
Now he's got to switch up his variation, which means he's got to switch up his switch up his combo work a little bit. That's what he does. And the two guys that I talked about with Shaw and Rashid, they're like masters at this. They've already figured out that okay, uh, we saw how Show Off was getting his ass kicked by Rashid early on when Rashid got that four one advantage on him. He switched over to the the Sub Zero now. Personally, I would have liked to have seen both fighters stick with the same guy. Or It doesn't matter the variation. You can have different variations for the same fighter, but I didn't want to see really any switch-ups with fighters. It doesn't really matter. That's how these guys work. That's fine. Uh, I Technically, Shoah probably could have stuck with Sub-Zero the entire time because he wasn't on Katana long before he switched. And that's who he stuck with till the end. Uh, but... Even with those fighters, if they start noticing tendencies, they'll switch up their variations. I saw Rashid do it a couple times. I think Shoff didn't really do it, but he might have just been so familiar with his character that he didn't have to worry about it. Uh, he's really, really good. Like it's just sick, like how good he was. Um, He'd get me in like thirty seconds. It would be like pop, 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 pop. Just it, yeah. I just <clears throat> hell. I've I've fought. Uh, when I Aquaman did that to me a couple times, he got me in a corner. Like, I was better when I had space. Once he got me in a corner, I was fucked. <laughs> that was it, because he was, like, combo moving me to shit and just destroying me. Uh, but every I got him, like, two or three times, not so much with the win of the fight, but every time, like, my fatal blow would come, I'd be like, click! And he's like, oh, God, you got me again. <laughs> he's like, you son of a bitch. Right, so... I had fun with that, because, like, at least I was able to pull off some of those before I got totally blasted, but, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I would do this again. Um, I'm sure Josh might have some other stuff down the road that he might do that's not specifically tied to 420. Uh, so we'll see what happens. This is what the new age with COVID and everything has done, is it enables schools, uh, people like Josh, uh, her job, whatever, to do a lot of things via uh, video and whatnot. So, and I appreciate that because I totally, <clears throat> I I still go into the office because sometimes I am never gonna work until ten o'clock at the office ever. I'm never gonna do it. I usually leave by five. I think one day I stayed until five thirty because I was kind of down on the shop floor looking at the cool robots and stuff. But I um I appreciate the ability for me to do stuff at home and do stuff like on Sunday. He works Sundays, so Sunday night is like my catch-up, get-shit-done day. Especially because nobody's going to email me or call me or bother me. I can do that. Like, I don't physically have to be there. And it's it's great. A lot of people still are working 100% remotely. I kind of mix it up because I do like to put that FaceTime in and I, I need to see my vendors and stuff and I feel like that's a good balance I think going forward what do you think like just with life in general yeah you know I mean one thing that I didn't mention is uh, in this DigiFest is that Josh was also showcasing certain musical artists which these artists the ones that he had on aren't really my thing they're more kind of like rap and hip hop type stuff um so it wasn't really my thing there, but the fact that they were unknowns and that he was taking the time to help them out uh, was a big thing for me. I always liked that. He that's, does that on that's his. That's what you do, yeah. Yeah, on his on his regular YouTube channel, he doesn't have anyone who sings lyrics with his music that he plays, but they're all artists that do these like 
synth driven type music which is pretty cool there's some stuff in there that's sort of metalish which is great uh now obviously he can't play certain artists because i asked him one time like you know would you be able to play like a radio station through your thing while you're doing this he's like i probably could but because of copyright and that's always the thing you have to worry about with youtube is whether or not you have the permissions to do that and that's why he sticks to his playlist with the people that are already giving him permission to do that and he avoids any kind of like cursing with music and whatnot so he avoids all that as well so he can keep because i know they get real picky on youtube like with samurai they a couple of times youtube gave them a hard time because yeah. <laughs> they are reviewing horror movies or they'll say the f word or right so and and samurai and lady fatblood they're like this is you know we're doing this for fun number one and they enjoy that they have lots of followers and and but YouTube is, he's, what was it? It was maybe about a year ago they did a whole post on, like, how YouTube is becoming a huge pain in the ass. Well, it was two things. One, I think someone had hacked their account. At the oh, time. that's right! And they they started a second account because YouTube was, uh, was giving but, them a hard time. But it was very deflating because, and her and I know this too, like, you know, building up, see, one of the problems I have now with my radio station online is, Sure, I can get go back to some of my old sites and re, you know, send them emails and re say, here's my new link for this station because it was dormant for a couple of years. But now you have to regain the listener accounts, and it's not always easy because some of these places are much harder to get a hold of and redo stuff. So now I'm just kind of like, okay, the the radio's there, and I just mention it when people want to listen to just the music part of it, and that's fine. I do have people who tune in. I've had people one time I had like 300 listeners tune in, which is great. Um, and I know you like to just sometimes put it on while you're working just so that right. you can have some background music. Right. So, but the podcast now, like if her and I were to quit for a couple of years, I probably wouldn't come back to it because then I have to rebuild everything. And I knew Samurai and Lady Fabblood, they put a lot of effort into what they're doing like a lot of effort it's it's really great show he's got a lot of subscribers so when they had redone it i could see how it just was affecting them behind their eyes so to speak like i'm not like any kind of like psychic or anything but you could just see that they were like you have to start all over again and it but finally they were able to win and get back their original channel which was great i, I was so happy for them because uh, it just so much work. Everyone who had been a part of that building process was like, where'd they go? And then, like, the person that hacked it had, like, started fucking it up. Oh, yeah. And they were making it... They, they took their password. They they changed, like, their password retrieval and everything. Yeah, so. it was just a big mess. And so those are the things that I hate because I, when I have in my Twitter, in fact... In fact, that's why I don't really tweet that much anymore because... My Twitter got hacked. I started up a new one. I actually have a Nettle Tavern Radio Twitter out there that I just don't use. But luckily, I was able to get my old account back. But, like, that's the thing. Like, when I got that happened, I thought, shit, I'm never going to get this shit back. I had to start a new one. And I just, I was like, ugh, I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. Like, it's it's so toxic it takes up a lot of time to build up your persona your 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 brand basically that's what we have here so for all these youtube people like you know this is the stuff they really put a lot of work into including josh so 
it's their brand, it's what they've worked for, and you know, you just don't want to see that shit go away. Anywho, uh, we'll get back to some music here. Yeah. But that was a lot of fun. Um, I'll keep you all updated if he does any more stuff like that because it was really worth it. And it was free. I didn't have to pay a thing to do this. Uh, it was all just in good fun and, you know, just a blast. He can donate if you want, obviously, but just a blast. And we try to do that, like, with, with a few, um, like, with Fat Samurai. I know you're on his, like, monthly Patreon. Um, our friend Lou, you're on her monthly Patreon. Josh, I Josh, did you're him. his monthly and it's not like we're donating hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Actually, I'm not on Josh's Patreon. I'm on Lynn Kavazinski's, which, just to update on him, he's getting closer to getting that movie made for Pact of Vengeance, which is on my uh, poster behind me. So if you ever watch the Fast Semi Guy show we did, uh, you'll see it in there. Okay, well, here's another block of music in it. We also do have some horror pain gore from Woo-hoo. Mr. Giuliano. But we're kicking off some classic Amorphia. This is Radiation Overdose. Oh, 
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Back with you, Hordes of Chaos, episode 113 on the Metal Time Radio Podcast. And we are going to talk a little bit about Mortal Kombat Mortal 2021. Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the funny thing is when we saw the trailer way back when, about a month or two ago. It's been a little bit longer than that. We were just, we were so anticipating this. Yeah, it's like really exciting, especially the, you know, because they showed enough of the stuff in the trailer that we're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be different than what we saw. And it was. Yeah, it was. Um, now, leading up to it, I was a little concerned because I was looking on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics had already seen it at that point a couple days before, and they were this average score of like 60%. And I'm like, hmm. And the critics, we don't always agree with the critics. Right. So I'm like, okay, you know, critics may not really truly understand what it's about, all that stuff. Uh, Now, granted, I had to wait a little bit for Neko because she works Fridays and she was doing her hair and this stuff. So we didn't get around to it about until about five or six, I think, when she got back and everything. But... I was reading people. I was reading people who were have already seen it uh, earlier in the day. Most of the scores are like six point five, seven out of ten. I'm like, hmm, okay. I mean, they weren't really trashing or anything, but I was like, I thought that I might see higher scores than that. Even though people were like, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed this, but again, the scores were lower than I thought they would be. And funny thing is, like. I knew that Neko and I would love Godzilla and Kong, but I thought we'd probably go into this thinking that Mortal Kombat was going to be almost as high on the list, mm-hmm. because really, we haven't seen too many movies this year that really blew us away. Well, the, the funny thing with Godzilla vs. Kong, um, people that I know are not Godzilla fans, like uh, Chad Dukes and his wife watched it, and he's like, even my wife liked Godzilla vs. Kong, and I like Godzilla vs. Kong. It was like a real blockbuster movie, and... And he said his wife made a comment, like, it's been a while since we've actually had a movie, a big, you know, movie movie like that. Everything's been kind of like... And it's still doing very well. Mm -hmm. Like, apparently it's the best, highest grossing movie right now this year. And I know that's tongue-in-cheek because we haven't had a chance to really put out a lot of stuff. But for a movie like that to do as well as it's doing... Even with um, being on two formats, mm-hmm. pl- our platforms, uh, that's pretty impressive. But, uh, so we sat down and watched this. We were both really eagerly anticipating it. Um, it's And it, we don't want to sell it short, but we are going to get into some of the problems with it. Um, it did deliver. Uh, we did have uh, gore and stuff like that in there. Um, and it was a good R-rated movie. Like, they didn't try to, be, be, to kid it up. You right. know, it's meant for... You know, people like us who, when Mortal Kombat came out, we were already kids. So now that we're adults, we can really appreciate, like, the whole Mortal Kombat universe. So, the premise of this is, basically, it starts out, and for those that, I don't know if you sat and watched the seven minutes of the intro when they put it out, I don't know why they do that shit, but... Basically, you have uh, Sonata, who's portraying uh, Scorpion, 
he's there with his clan, and this is going way back, almost centuries. In the centuries. 1800s, right. yeah. So he's there with his clan, his wife and his family, his kids. Uh, there, you know, he, he goes out to get water or something, and all of a sudden the the village is under attack by the Lin Kuei, which is led by Sub Zero, played by Joe Taslin. Behan. Behan. Um. So right away we know that there are some problems there, just in terms of like the the the, the attitudes between the clans. You know, uh, Sub Zero's there to pretty much wipe them the fuck out. Uh, he kills the wife and child. Now there's a, a second child. I'm gonna get into that second child in a minute, uh, which they hide into the floorboards before once they realize that they're under attack. Uh, and then once uh, I forget his actual name in terms of the character, but it's Sonata's Scorpion, but he has a different name there. He uh, Hanzo. Hanzo, thank you. He goes and he hears the screams and he comes up and he finds that his wife and oldest son is uh, dead. They're frozen. Right. And it's Magically very frozen. good, very good graphics, I must tell you this. The graphics in this were fucking amazing. They did a really, really good job with it. Um, so, obviously, Sub is there behind waiting for Hanzo because he wants to finish this shit off. And they fight for a little bit. It's a great fight. This is after, of course, Hanzo beats some of his henchmen pretty well. With yeah, the little... he, he handily gives yeah. it to him. Yeah. So, uh, Bihan, Sub-Zero and Scorpion basically get into it. Uh, Sub-Zero wins the fight, leaves uh, Hanzo dead, which he does die. And then his body sort of, uh, before his body disintegrates into fire, uh, you hear the crying baby which is on the floorboards and after that after scorpion's body disappears um raiden shows up yeah so he shows up he takes the baby and then takes it away wherever and then we don't really know much more after that except for we go to present day we have this cage fighter named cole young uh, who's married? Has a young, a young daughter. I was gonna say sister. I don't know. That's not a sister. Right. So, young daughter, who's kind of like just sort of playing as trainer. You know, gets kind of laughed at by the organizer of the fights, who just has his gibberish or whatever. Yeah, and they they like always look to Cole because he's willing to just show up and do a fight for two hundred bucks, even if he wins or not. Right. It's like he's just doing it for money at that point, you know. But um. He doesn't win a lot of fights, obviously, but he has this mark on him, which is a dragon. It's the whole Mortal Kombat dragon circular thing. It's a tattoo or whatever birthmark, as they call it. Uh, Jax is there. Yeah, Jax is there. He he understands that this is he has the same mark, and he's watching Cole because he's secretly with talking with Sonya. About, like, what's going on. Like trying this, to figure it all out. Right. Like, They've been working for years on what's going on with the mark and these fighters and what it means. So, even though they don't know totally everything, they have a pretty good idea. So, um, yeah, so Cole ends up becoming this pivotal character. He's a dis- long descendant of Hanzo's uh, bloodline. Uh, he's not Scorpion, but he's 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 a chi- he's a descendant from the child of Hanzo. And uh, what it, the other part of this now is that Shang Tsung, uh, the Outworld has won nine tournaments in a row, so they want to seal the deal as easy as possible to get the tenth, so that they can 
basically invade and take over our world. Our world. Right. So he's hooked up with Sub Zero, uh, Molina, uh, Cabal, and a few others to basically cheat around the system. They're going to send fighters in to kill off Earth's fighters so that they can make it easier when they go to do the tournament. Um, so Sub Zero sent in chase down Cole and Jax and finally Jax is left behind while Cole tries to save his family uh, Jax this is where Jax loses his arms um, we'll find out more from him later but uh, he loses that fight after their little fight they have um, eventually before Jax goes to fight Sub-Zero he tells Cole you need to find Sonya this is the person you need to contact and of course that all happens we also find out at this point that Sonya has uh, locked up Kano in chains like which is really funny he is this is the thing that Neko and everyone else I've ever talked to Kano is the best thing about this movie uh, not so much with this fighting but the one liners which I read today were all improvised by Lawson who portrays the character, so... That's... I didn't know that. Right. So, he has some great one-liners in here, especially when he gets into his beef with uh, Liu Kang and Kung Lao, because uh, they're basically pushing his buttons. And I, f I forget some of the stuff is, but I, I promise you, people, if you watch this film, you're going to laugh, because the guy is just funny. He's really good. It, like, I enjoyed Kano in 95, but this guy makes Kano look like 10 times better. Oh, yeah, and, and I don't even, like, I've seen the 95 movie. I, I don't even remember Kano, not, like, the way it is. He had the same kind of, like, <clears throat> charisma or arrogance that we saw with this Kano, but this Kano is just 10 times funnier. Just, it's great. He's really the best part of this film, uh, which is strange when you think about it now. Fighting-wise... Again, I think Neko and I agree. The best thing about this film is Sub-Zero and Scorpion. They well, are they the, are the two most advanced, like, um, fighters. fighters. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Scorpion's real name. Uh, Not Scorpion, uh, Sub-Zero. Joe Taslin. Joe, yeah, Joe Taslin. He's, like... I forgot what... Uh, like Warrior? for between two, 1997 oh, yeah, to two thousand and nine, he was on the international judo team. Yeah, like he's he's a like a legit fighter fighter. Actually, I saw that uh, Sonata who plays Scorpion. He actually there's an old clip of him uh, at a competition, mm -hmm. and just like you would see that people holding up boards, he's first testing it, you know, because he had like five of them mm -hmm. around him. So then he end up breaking every board with his feet and his hands and it was like amazing stuff but uh yeah it was a younger uh sonata which he's very well known i know um samurai and lady Feba love martial arts so they love these two guys a lot tasm i didn't really know much about until warrior and he's fucking amazing like the guy that plays opposite him, the lead actor in Warrior, is very good. So that remember that fight at the end of season one? They oh had? god, it was like fight to the death. Yeah, it was fucking brutal and awesome. But just the choreography is great. So honestly, when I learned that Tasman was playing Sub Zero, one of my favorite characters from NK, I was really excited. Uh, so these guys do not let down with that fight. They are the pinnacle, and this is the point where 
I kind of agree with Lady Fat Blood and, and Samurai in their real view. I don't have a problem with Cole Young per se. I just don't understand why this character is needed here because really they could have stuck with Hanzo's storyline and just ran with that. And then he comes back. Right. That would have been much better to me. Uh, I don't know why they felt the need to bring in a new character. It doesn't... They make it work, but it just makes no sense. Like, it just... It, it's not needed, and it's not as interesting as Hanzo and Sub-Zero's storyline together. Um, yeah, I just... I, it's a big thing with everyone that I've talked to that... that this movie, Neko and I, when we finished, we were like, we liked it, but then we're like, kind of left like, meh. Like, it just, and it's weird because I see friends of mine who say 95 is better than this one. And on some levels, I agree. I, I think 95 is much more fun. Uh, it just doesn't have what we want, the violence. And it's weird because... Technically speaking, this movie is far superior to 95, but again, the, the, there's that fun fact that I just can't seem to get around. Um, and I don't know if part of it is just because it is a, a movie for a game. Like, is it supposed to be like 95 all the time? Or are we supposed to kind of treat it like we would treat the new Godzilla stuff a little more serious? And that's what they were going for. They wanted, uh, like, a hard R, and it really was. I, it's just something was missing, I feel like. Like, I don't hate the movie at all. The first I would thing, watch it again. The, yeah, the first thing I thought about, though, was what you say about King of the Monsters, and there's mm -hmm. these storylines that aren't quite complete. Now, they tried to make a story out of this one, and it just, it doesn't, there's no character development at all, really. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe, like, I just didn't care enough about Cole Young and his family. Like, well, that's what they were saying. They were like, we don't care about his family. Don't, it, it shouldn't even be a factor here. Like, Hans already has his family thing that he happened at the beginning. That That's a good story. Let's just run with that. He doesn't have to worry about it. Don't, the, the, the second kid isn't even in... Even in there's an there's a animated movie called Scorpio's Revenge, which came out a little earlier, a couple of years ago. Uh, I haven't watched it all, but they love it. And it doesn't even mention another kid. It's the oldest kid and the mother that die, and that's it. They added this other kid who represents the lineage that uh, Cole Young comes from. But it isn't really needed. We don't have to have the family there. I don't know if it's just because the director feels like they have to have this kind of thing in it to make it seem like it's a more modern thing. I don't know. Um, and maybe that's what they were trying to do. Just they wanted to but it, 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 it falls have on... a vehicle to bring Scorpion back because if Scorpion knows that his lineage is still actually, I think it's... I, I think that's part of what it was. Is if Scorpion knew that his lineage was still out there, um, he didn't realize that you know the that his baby died. Maybe he thought his baby died, and then he went to hell and turned into Scorpion. Maybe it was just so that there could be a connection to get Scorpion back into the our realms because he was trapped in hell. Now, granted, Raiden let Scorpion out, so it's it's like Raiden could have let Scorpion out at any time. But I I think I understand why they did the Cole Han thing. I just don't think it was like you said as developed the as Cole Han. The Cole Han. <laughs> 
And Samurai called him, we'll just call him generic. <laughs> That's what it really is. They just didn't make me care. Actually, what I wanted to say, because when I told you about the King of the Monsters thing, it wasn't the characters in King of Monsters. What I think happened is, in this movie, you had a cross between Godzilla versus Kong and King of the Monsters, but it's not what you think. It's What they did here was, they didn't have any character development like Godzilla and Kong. But they didn't have what Godzilla and Kong had. The fighting in Godzilla and Kong was much better. They didn't allow these fights to breathe. So we got a lot of quick fights that were like, oh god, okay, we had the fatalities, but... Because there were some really good fights in there, but you're right. But it was mainly between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And that's the thing, like... It probably would have been a little bit more enjoyable if we could actually just see more of the fighting. Because we saw... I think... I mean, Nicole Young, uh, Goro one was okay. But, like... Sonya and Melina was very quick. You know, we didn't. There wasn't a whole lot to that. Um, I know that Fat Blood and Samurai pissed off like we are about Kung Lao di- dying too soon. Shouldn't Spoiler. Yeah. Well, you're gonna get it in this anyway. Uh, he's like one of the best characters in this film, as far as like just interesting characters. Like he's really one of the best. And my, I have to show you later when we get a chance uh, the video they did for this because <laughs> Lady Fat Blood was laughing too hard. I didn't notice it. Maybe you did. But Samurai was very upset about the way they portrayed Liu Kang. Because he said, okay, so Liu Kang shows up when they're in the desert. And Kano starts talking shit. And, of course, Liu Kang uses his fireball to put him in his place. But then Samurai's like, yeah, but then we have Liu Kang who every time he speaks, he's doing this. Yeah, well, you know, Raid My Lord is coming. He's Everything's so animatic. With so, the it's, so it's like a, he's the William Shatner right. of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I didn't really notice it at times. So when we go back and watch it another time, we'll probably catch it. But, like, the, I thought he was okay as an actor for it. Um, I do agree. I think Robin Shaw, who did it in 95, did it better. Like, I guess... Samurai kind of felt like this guy was a little bit more of a weakling in terms of the character of Liu Kang than Xiao portrayed. I think that what they're trying to do in this one, because they're they're showing that they're just learning about Mortal Kombat. So Liu Kang has never participated. We never even saw the Mortal Kombat. We just saw this. But as that was a, another great. We never even got to the tournament. This is all. This is all like leading him. up right to the tournament. So I think you're you're seeing Liu Kang. In his early young development. Now, another spoiler alert: We Kung Lao dies at the hands of Shao Tsung. Am I saying? Shao Tsung. Shang Tsung. I got my uh, things in. Time so twister. Yeah, I'm in my. I got my super lisp going, and he sucks his soul out. So I said to Anubis, you know, when um, Shao Tsung says. You know, you may have killed all of my champions, but there will be more. And then they all kind of, like, disintegrate and, like, turn into the black dust. I feel like because he sucked his soul out, there's an opportunity for bad Kung Lao. Like you see in the, the game, you got the alternate Kung Lao to come back. And then maybe Liu Kang can kick the shit out of him and turn him back into regular Kung Lao. If that makes any sense, these are just ideas that I. Well, yeah, and, and, and we've learned uh, recently that <coughs> Taslim, so who played Sub Zero, who does die, uh, but Shang Tsung has found a way, and he's actually mentioned that, oh, I can go to different universes and just get this guy again. 
uh, it doesn't matter. So, you know, Sub-Zero being gone, he could easily be back. And that's getting back to Neko's point. Because, and, and some of this is like we're kind of like playing off of MK11 as well because there is a time. We like that storyline. Uh, so we may see that, but Tasm is signed on for three other movies. Uh, should they go in a sequel? So that's a good sign that if this movie does well enough, which for right now the average score is about 7 out of 10, which is what I give it. Uh, so if they if it does well enough, we may see more. And maybe that gets back to your Liu Kang theory that they're all young. They're all discovering their powers. Maybe as the series goes on, if it goes on, we start to see more of the confidence and the stronger you know, attitudes and fighting ability and whatnot. Um, yeah, we mentioned Kano is really good in this. Uh, the guy who plays Cabal is also pretty good. I got a kick out of some of his, his talking points, which he's always been a sarcastic asshole too. Um, <clears throat> what else have we got going on in here? What else did we miss? Uh, that's about, that's kind of about it. Like, I mean, I just... It wasn't as exciting. I thought. I thought. I. I. I think for me, it, it's kind of like what you. What I said about the King of the Monsters. Like, I was so excited to see it, and I had these super high expectations. And I watched the trailer, and I really got sucked into the trailers uh, for King of the Monsters and for Mortal Kombat, and it was so good. Like the trailers and everything were so good. That when I watched the movie, like, as it was going on, I just felt like it left me wanting more. And maybe that's what the director wanted, because he does plan to keep this as a Mortal Kombat universe. Because, again, we haven't even gotten to the tournament yet. This was all leading up to the tournament, so maybe it's going to be Mortal Kombat. The evolution, and then well, everybody's going to come back. And... I kind of agree with Samurai, though, the point he made, too. And this is, you know, Raiden is a great character in Mortal Kombat. He is. But so far in the movies, except for Annihilation, which we don't even regard because it's just trash, but as far as 95 in this movie, like, Raiden never participates really in terms of fight. Like, he, he kind of struts his stuff a little bit and it shows his power of the lightning and he is a, he is a god, but in the, in the game, he does fight. Like, now, technically by the standards of our lore the mortal Kombat storyline and lore he doesn't really he's not supposed to but uh as we kind of learn at the end of this movie is that and neko kind of figured out more than me i i still kind of confused on it but he's responsible for bringing scorpion out of hell to help out cole young at the end so because if they literally said in the movie you can send anyone anywhere right and Raiden can. He can jump between worlds and he can go wherever he needs to be. And he said, I, Raiden made the comment that he's not allowed to interfere with. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, we constantly see this with the 95 movie, too, is that Shang Sun isn't shy about going outside the boundaries. And it's totally against the rules. Like, this, it's not a secret that it's against the rules for Mortal Kombat for him to do this. Now, he gets away with it because the other guys just don't pay much attention to it. Uh, but it's weird that Raiden himself just won't say, okay, well, you know, if, if Shang Tsung's going to do this, then I need to step in a little bit and take care of business. Now, he does it more subtly than Shang Tsung does, but I think at this point people are kind of waiting for 
Raiden to kind of have a fight of his own. Like, we just need to see... We need him. to see Raiden and Shang Tsung, like, yeah, kind of go see, at it. Right. And, and that'd be great. Like, maybe, maybe we'll get that. Maybe we will. Um, maybe it's something for whoever does any of the sequels that they do it will consider that because it's just... It's long overdue, really, in that respect. Um, because I like the way they work the lightning in this movie. Like, again, the graphics are just amazing. So it, it the works. The graphics and the blood and... Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Kung Lao's... Uh, the hat when he did... Yeah. It was just like in the game. Yeah, it, was it was so great. Yeah, he's like a really good character. Now, see, Liu Kang, even after Kung Lao died, Liu Kang has his hat. Yes, he so, does. So, I feel like because his soul was sucked out of Sang Sung, and Sang Sung is a, um, a, a sorcerer, he can bring Kung Lao back, but he's going to be bad Kung Lao. Anyway, that's just my my theory. Or you'll find another way to rework it in the storyline. I like I don't we don't know for sure if they're gonna go towards MK eleven. Um, maybe ultimately that's where they work up to. But um, they can find a way to bring back Kung any other way, steal soul from Shang Sun somehow, who knows? Um, you know they were gonna work that in there somewhere. I think one of the issues that Samurai and Lady Fat Blood had was that of all the characters to kill off, Kung Lao is the one you probably shouldn't have. <laughs> like, you could take Jax or Sonya, and, and we wouldn't really care. Like, and obviously they're big characters in this in this gaming world, but uh, I'm kind of with them. I, I like Kung Lao a lot. I think he's one of those guys who should have stuck around towards the end for uh, a lot more than that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a decent movie. Check it out. The graphics are amazing. The fight scenes between Taslim and uh, Sonata are amazing. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the Reptile, I think, again, Samurai pointed out, when you watch 95, that aspect of the Reptile somehow getting into a body of a ninja makes more sense than what we saw. Mm -hmm. uh, so watching him kind of fight this like large monster lizard wasn't really... Komodo dragon. Right. It's cool. The graphics were cool, but I think it would have been cooler to see him kind of find a way to morph into a, a fighter. And that would be a much better thing. But uh, who knows? Uh, good movie. Uh, it's decent. Uh, it's not terrible by any means, but it has its flaws. Uh, GVK is still the movie of the year for me, though. I agree. I really like GVK a lot. Um, I like this, though, as well. And I, I'm wondering... Maybe because we saw GVK in the theater, if maybe we saw Mortal Kombat in the theater, if it would have made a bigger impact? I don't know. I mean, I was planning on it, but it just didn't work out that way. I mean, we could still go if it's, you know, at East Point or something, but, um... We love those flagship cinemas. Super comfy seats. It's fun to get out a little while, but uh, I'm not sure. Like, I didn't feel like anything was lost by watching it at home, um... You could say almost like you're better off saving money, but you and I, like I said, I'd go see it again, and in a theater be fine because like I love the experience anyway. But uh, I think I'd go just to watch Kano. He's fucking hilarious. Like, GV, just... but see, like GVK, um, he that one needs to be seen in a theater. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know most people have seventy inch big screens in their house. We don't. Yeah, I watched it two or three times at home now since then, and it's still not the same experience as seeing it in the theater. Like, it's it's fun, obviously, but... I love watching pissed-off Godzilla. I don't know why. <laughs> like, 
him climbing up, he, 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 and he's got the pissed off face. He looked like a giant Komodo dragon, like, yeah. going after uh, Kong. Kong. Yeah, they really did a good job with him, uh, with his aggression. He was very fluent in movements again. Like, it's one thing we've kind of seen with, like, when we saw in King of the Monsters when Godzilla first ran at Ghidorah, we're like, hmm, okay, that's cool. Because in the first movie, uh, 2014, he was seen kind of slow and clunky. Uh, now, that doesn't mean he couldn't move like he, he did in the others, but we, just the way he was portrayed in that particular well, film. Well, because the Mutos, while they were a threat, they weren't a huge threat to him. Right, they so weren't very fast. He wasn't anything, even yeah. really that concerned with them, but something woke him up, so he was still sleepy. You know, I think that's what it was. <laughs> he's he, getting the sleep out of his eyes. Because he's been down, you know, in his little lair for so long. You know, they're they're saying basically since the 60s, that's how the new... So he's coming off and he's still working out, you know, getting out of the, the fucking nether regions and he's trying to find the Mutos. The nether regions. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. Alright, well, let's get back into some music. Um... Kicking off this next block, brand new stuff by Cannibal Corpse, Inhuman Harvest. Oh, 
Hey, DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace. Messing around stuff she shouldn't be messing around in. I'm just looking. Oh, we, looking. we've got one blueberry scentsy left. I'm putting it upstairs. All right, getting right into our rock block. I like the rock block. Do you like the rock block? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I created it. It's mine. Oh my god. So, I um, the one thing I like about sorry, I'm making noise. <laughs> Fuck me, it actually shows up on air, so. You, I know, I gotta stop. That that up. Your phone went off the hook last time. Well, that was my dumb father who kept calling. Vibrate, vibrate. That's all I heard. I love my dad. I do. But he drives me a little crazy. And, you know, I try not to get irritated with him, but I do. And then I feel bad because I'm irritated with him because he's my dad. But then I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, let's get back to the rock block because I love rock a lot. So we got uh, stuff provided by Curtain Calls, Grand Sounds, uh, obviously Neko's Pick of the Week. We have a fan request from Kevin again for What's some Hell buddy? Yeah. We'll be in there. Also got some new Lion's Daughter. And I uh, got some classic Black Mountain in there as well. Kicking it off from Curtain Calls is the band called Divided Truth with Damage. And we'll see you in a few.
Looking for great deals on classic and modern rock and metal cassettes? Looking for those rare and classic cassettes from the good old days? Then Tomas Sabinski is the answer. So find your way to Discogs.com and look for seller named Nightwanderer. Tomas not only has excellent and fair prices, but puts extra care when shipping out to customers so that the product arrives undamaged and unscathed. And trust me, I've bought a lot of stuff from him. Comes in top fashion and great, great looks. Again, go to Discogs.com and search Night Wanderer.
even if you wanted to Everything I've been through You wouldn't know Going out to Kevin Tarrant. Hell yeah! Hell you yeah! Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I guess it's up to me now to bring my pick of the week. Um, I found it funny that you said you had never heard the song until I made it my pick of the week, and you're That's like, happened a couple times. And you're like, yeah, when I heard this, it was totally you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. I actually thought it was released earlier than it was, but it was released in 2001, and um, again, this is something that's a little punky, and I just remember driving around in my car, blasting it, enjoying it. I had it on CD until my car got stolen with all my CDs, you know, that was a lot of fun. That was one of mine and Anubis's first uh, joint experience. Yeah, because we had met through somebody at work. And we went out on a date Friday night, and then Saturday I went out with my girlfriend because we were celebrating her birthday, and then Sunday, Anubis and I went out for another date, and then I woke up Monday, and my car was gone. So, it was stolen. She thought she misplaced it first. I was I like, did, did I park up the street? I walked all around my neighborhood. I'm like, I wasn't even drunk yesterday. We, we What the hell? We parked it right there. I park it in the same spot every night. I know. We like we had just went out to lunch and then we came back and it was an early day because we had both work the next day. So I woke up, I called my boss, I'm like, um, I'm having a problem. I think my car was stolen. He's like, Oh crap. I said, I'll be in, but just let me take care of this. I called the police. First thing the police said was, did you pay your car payment? Are you sure it wasn't repoed? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know when I pay my car. That's a fair question because they probably deal with the same yeah, shit that's every true. time. Yeah. So when um when my we finally found my car, my everything that was in it, all my CDs, my stereo and all, it was stolen. And he was helping me deal with, you know, getting my car back. My car was in the shop for a long time because it was like beat up pretty bad. We they found it like on the other side of the city and it was taken to the um strip down yeah i don't know what you call that it's like where where they tow cars that are just kind of left yeah they, they basically took it for a joyride stripped of the radio and cds i think and then just kind of left it sitting there and then it was found eventually but it was kind of like the impound or something yeah. yeah so i get my car back and we're my i take it to be fixed and we're desperately trying to figure out a way to like get my radio and everything covered by insurance and he and I were on our we were in Best Buy picking out a new radio and uh, he said he said my girlfriend here you know she needs help and I was like I'm your girlfriend <laughs> so anyway Back to my pick of the week. Um, this is one of the CDs that were stolen out of the car. And I, you know, to me, it's it's like a fun... I, I feel like it has a little bit of a Green Day flair to it, but it, it's, you know, it's Pennywise. And the song is Fuck Authority. And I'm sure you all have maybe heard Pennywise before. I don't know, but it's a little I bit... I think anyone who's into, like, punk and hardcore are probably quite familiar with the band. They've been around for a while. Like, we're going, like, 
back ladies mm -hmm. and if there this is it got a lot of airplay but they had of course to beep out fuck and change some of the words in the in the lyrics but it is like screw authority yeah well they they just did blank authority it was like authority so because you knew what it was but they um it, it is a really catchy kind of song like it was on the radio all the time and I believe they were at, at um, probably the HF festival and it, this this song really just kind of like blew up for Pennywise I don't even think they were trying to make it catchy but it got catchy yeah. you know what I mean like I don't think they did this on purpose because it's not the type of band that they are but here we go Pennywise. Like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. DJ Neko's pick of the week.
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Alright, we're back. Closing out that rock block was The Lion's Daughter with brand new stuff called Curtains. The Lion's Daughter. The Lion's Daughter. Are we, are we starting to sing shit now? <laughs> I haven't even had anything to drink. I know, right? I've had, I had some coffee. That's all it is. Coffee. 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 <sighs> so, our, um, when you told me about this uh, little news clip, I, I had to look up Enzo Schiatti. And I didn't know who he was, but you're like, yeah, he's Italian. I'm like, yes, Enzo is Italian. But, duh. I, uh, duh. But I didn't know much about him. And I actually didn't know much about him either. I just had caught an article about him, and he was a legendary horror artist, horror movie poster artist. He was a whore? A whore. Horror. Uh, but apparently it's it's went back through his, like, family, like, uh, growing up, his, his father was an artist and, you know, other people in his family. Um, he started actually uh, doing film posters at age 16, which is pretty impressive. That's really impressive. Um, one of the ones he was most known for early on in his career was obviously uh, horror posters for uh, directors like Lucio Fulci, who's done, like, a shit ton of great horror films. Uh, one of them is The House by Cemetery, which he did. Um, he also did... Uh, what would happen is if a movie came out in America, say, you know, like Beetlejuice or Army of Darkness. Critters. Right. If when they came over to Italy and had promotion, he would do the artwork for them. Some of the artwork that he did was actually better than the ones we got in America. I, I really liked it a lot. It was all, you know, hand-drawn style, port, you know posters these are the old school style you you'd see um especially in the horror genre like i love the beetlejuice one like he doesn't yeah he doesn't really hold back on the beetlejuice like i don't remember the headless part being in part of america's poster work because we're more reserved here but uh yeah he made the beetlejuice one look pretty cool uh little gory and fun i did uh artwork for the coen brothers blood simple over there which is Got that whole gallo uh, look about it. Uh, he also did Army of Darkness. Which, which is great. Yeah, like it's really, it's even, so we got a little bit of the Evil Dead going on there. Uh, the work from Evil Dead too. Then he did one for Bloodsport as well. I love the Bloodsport. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, it's one of those things like, whenever they would get our movies, our movies from other countries coming through Italy, he'd create poster work for them and he was really, really good. Uh, he was 76 at his age of, you know, passing, which, from what I said, we don't really know details, but it sounds like it was just, you know, old age caught up with him. Um, but he was a very, very big deal. Uh, his parents pushed him pretty heavily when he was young to continue doing artwork, because I guess he did a, uh, portrait of the Pope John the 23rd, uh, at the Vatican, and the Pope acted like so much that he wrote the kid and said, you know, you're really good at this, talented, and that's kind of what kicked off his career. And I like that his parents were supportive. I mean, sometimes it's hard to get parents to be supportive of artistic ventures. Yeah. You know, it's, 
you see it all the time where somebody is maybe a great violinist or maybe a great just painter and you'll hear the parents say you'll never make money doing that go yeah. to college blah 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 but it's, it's usually what happens when uh you know you're like oh yeah you're gonna fail as a musician or something like it's hard at times for parents which you know on some level you understand but they're really just trying to they but, don't want you to be poor and and eating ramen yeah, noodles the rest of your life right it's it's tough because you know you <clears> want your <throat> kids to be able to sustain themselves when they get to be older but you know it's cool that when you're that young that they push you to do that especially if you can find work doing it which he did um he also did uh covers for like tenebrae argento demons uh the beyond uh just a lot of a lot of like you know big time movies that horror fans generally love so he's the guy behind a lot of artwork for that so uh, I just thought it was a very cool story. Um, it's sorry he's gone, but uh, you know he did leave a, behind a pretty good legacy. I mean, as an I, th I think I looked it up, and it was like three thousand um, posters or different types of artwork that he had put out there in his seventy-six years. So yep. it's pretty impressive. I'm I'm sad that I had to learn about him through his death, and a lot of times that's what ends up happening. And it's well, that's always a funny thing, like you know. I, I, I probably know people who are big horror fans that know all the details of stuff like this. Like, for me, sure, I can give you certain directors that I'm a fan of mm -hmm. in the horror genre, but then, like, or maybe some of the actors involved, but, like, going into stuff like the artwork or writers, like, we discover stuff all the time, like, with that Warlock Wishmaster review. Like, the guy that wrote Warlock, you know, you sit there and say to yourself when you watch that, like, wow, you know, this is pretty pretty dated and it's not like the best movie on the planet but he went on to write stuff for the riddick series uh you know pitch black and stuff like that and as well as movies like the fugitive with harrison ford so uh david toy kind of grew from that into a writer and did other things so pretty pretty and that's impressive. always fun to learn about more than just watching the movie itself it's to see where people go from a movie or that's the, one the thing. That, that's one thing that Joe Bob is very good at. Like we, like stuff he was saying last night about audition and class of nineteen eighty four. Like those are things that are very interesting to us because we're like, oh wow, that was kind of cool, you know. Uh, when he gives like little tidbits and stories and behind the scenes and like the information and research they do on stuff like that. So we don't have all the knowledge on that. So when we discover guys like Enzo later down a line like this it's sad that he's gone but it's cool to know that oh this guy did all this especially at a young age uh that's pretty impressive and made a legacy for himself right all right well i got some uh devastating light from the medalist pr in this block uh classic space slug space slug excuse me uh new stuff from Superlinks will be kicking it off and neko will probably snooze for the next oh is it doomy oh yes oh Oh, yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, because there was one song um, that you were playing, and it was it was kind of like a stoner doom song, and I was like, I'm not, like, super into it, but it's, like, it's got a vibe to it. Like, I can totally see, like, when you'd be in the mood to be like, yeah, do well, both, Yeah, both Superlinks and Space Slug are kind of psychedelic doom, so you may dig it. Uh, Devastating Light's a little more of like the blackish doom kind of stuff, but uh, 
you know, I'd see how it goes. Superlinks, I do own their first, uh, I don't know if it's their first record, their last record I have I really love. Uh, I listened to a new record, very good. Not quite as good as the last, but very good still. Might still get that on vinyl if I get the freed up money. Uh, but this is called Electric Temple, and I believe it's the title track from that album. So Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> Superlinks 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Here we go.
looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you would find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent ya. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. Alright, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with you now with the Retro DVD Movie Vault. So, when we say retro, I don't want you to think that, like, we always are going back, 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 back in time. This one was from 2014, which is, if you think about it, a little while ago, because it's 2021 now. Um... But yeah, not everything is going to be, like, ancient stuff, um, but retro in terms of we haven't watched them in a while. Or... And we have the we have so many DVDs. Nothing like Mr. Tony of the Dead, mind you. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. that man has an entire Him library. And Samurai and some of them just off the hook. <laughs> but we really, um, we enjoy purchasing movies that we enjoy. And we'll see something and purchase a movie, but then we may not watch it right away because we're just kind of, like, keeping up with stuff. And that's kind of how we found um, the movie Draft Day, which is what we're reviewing this week um, in, you know, in light of the draft coming up next week. Um, Last episode, we talked with Edgar Allan Poe about the draft, and this week we were preparing some more for the draft with Neko's pick of Draft Day, which, you know, she pulled out three movies, sports-related, and I thought we agreed that Draft Day was probably the right one to go with, even though we could have with, went with any of them, to be honest. But and kind of getting in the football mood again. Um, I, I really, you know, it's April, and you and I are not big baseball fans, so we don't really watch any, and we're kind of like, okay, well, it's almost time for... Uh, you know, training is going to be starting, and then they're going to have the, like, preseason in August. So watching the draft just kind of is was always one of our little things that we would just would buy wings and watch the draft. And it, it was it's always been kind of fun. And hopefully, I know the NFL did a good job last year of keeping the season going, and I'm hoping that 
as more people get vaccinated, it's going to feel a little bit more like a regular season as things go on. Um, I was actually just reading while we were in a music break an article that, you know, we have to start not being afraid of germs anymore because regardless of what we do, these things are here to stay. Not just, I mean, they're like, take a look at the flu. The flu has been around since the beginning of time. And every year, you know, we might be getting a flu shot and a COVID shot just to kind of help prevent the spread. Um, so anyway, we're watching Draft Day and we didn't watch it when it came out in 2014. We really didn't even know about it until, I'm trying to think, it's been a few years, but we we found it probably on on Netflix or one of the streaming. No, movies. actually, we probably got like a free preview or something. Oh, on one of the like Cinemax or or. Because I remember just watching it and passing. Because I knew of it, but I thought to myself, you know, how good is it really going to be? I didn't. There wasn't a lot of push for it. Um, didn't really hear a lot of people talking about it. And I'm not a huge Kevin Costner fan. Um, I don't mind. I him don't as much hate as she him, does, but... but I. I just, I find that he gets put in movies that I feel could be cast better than he is, but I feel like he was perfect for this movie. He was absolutely perfect. Like, his demeanor, the way he acts, like, it, it felt very natural for Kevin Costner to be in this movie, which made me like the movie even better, because a lot of times... I also had that problem with Mark Wahlberg. I feel yep. like every movie he's in is he's just like a mediocre. But then you put him in The Departed, and that's like the movie meant for him. And I, I've seen other Mark Wahlberg movies, and I'm like, eh, it doesn't like match up to his performance in The Departed. So I, I feel like a lot of times Kevin Costner gets put in movies that I don't think suit him, and it kind of makes me not like him as an actor but i loved him in this um yeah i actually like Wahlberg and costner as actors um i like a lot of their stuff they're in just going back years there's some movies i don't like just because they're the type of movies they do but uh for the most part uh depending on what it is i like those actors a lot nick was a little more finicky with that with those two and I, told, I just explained why. It's not anything personal against them. It's like, I feel like they get put in movies that really are not suited for them. I like the Robin Hood movie that Kevin Costner was in. I loved that movie and I hated him as Robin Hood. I, I It was just not, but I loved the movie and I watched it a hundred times, you know, as a teen, but I just hated him as Robin Hood. I just couldn't, it wasn't believable for me. Anyway, back to Draft Day. So, I feel like Kevin Costner's strongest movie. So anyway, the premise of this is Costner plays Sonny Weaver Jr. He's the GM and uh, of this Cleveland Browns. It's actual NFL teams are representing. And I don't know how they got this because normally it's very difficult to get all the rights to every NFL and get access to the NFL players and get access to the NFL draft. Like, they used all the NFL well, you got, logos and you everything. You actually got Goodell in there. You got Chris Berman. You got uh, John Gruden. They're all doing cameos. Deion Sanders is in there. Uh, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is in there. Uh, as actors, we have, uh, obviously, Costner. But uh, Jennifer Garner is in there. Chadwick Boseman, who we talked about a little bit while watching Black Panther, it. yeah. yeah. 
Um, but so he plays his GM. Uh, it's only like 12 hours till the draft kicks off mm-hmm. for that year. Um, obviously, at this point, the Browns are struggling to get wins. Uh, they've got like a new coach and Dennis Leary who came from the Cowboys who had success there because the team was kind of built already for him, sort of like a, a John Gruden situation in Tampa, sort of. Um, so Larry's playing the head coach who wants specific needs to help him succeed as a coach. The owner, uh, Frank Langella, I believe, is the actor who portrays the owner. He wants to make a splash. Uh, the, That's what he said. He's like, I want to make a splash. I don't care what you do. I just want to splash. I want people to be in their butts in the seats. Uh, the Browns at this point have the seventh pick overall in the first round. So, on the other side of this, you have the GM for the Seattle Seahawks with the number one pick. Uh, the hottest player coming in is, um, God damn it, I just, uh, Bo, Bo Callahan. Callahan. Bo Callahan, quarterback from Wisconsin. Um, the Seahawks are in cap hell, so this is one of their problems right now, being in the number sp- number one spot. They're like, they want Bo Callahan, but they can't afford Bo Callahan. Right, so their GM and I don't know who the other guy was, just advisor or something, but they're trying to find a way to get out of the number one spot, so they think, okay, well, let's call up Sonny Weaver, that's Costner's uh, character, and see if we can sucker him into giving us some picks to move up. Well, obviously, Costner is listening to the owner about splashing. And the owner, actually, he, he threatened his job. Right. Like, and and uh, Sonny Weaver Jr. was like, so you're basically telling me I have to, it's it's me, I have to make a good team or you're, you're firing me. Right. So, uh, they end up calling uh, Sonny Weaver and uh, they basically fleece him. They... <laughs> There are like three future number one picks uh, for that spot. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's deep. Now, granted, it's sort of uh, relatable to real football. Some of the stuff that goes on, you're not you're saying to yourself, "There's no way it's going to happen," but it's a lot of fun it, either way. It does happen, though. I mean, yeah. So basically, uh, he does that, pulls the trigger. And now the owner loves the idea because he's already sold in Bull Callahan. Like the problem for Sonny Weaver, though, is he's got. Two other players when they were at number seven who were high considerations for him. One is Vontae Mack, who's played by Bozeman, who's a linebacker. And then Ray Jennings, I'm not sure who the actor was, but uh, is playing a running back who has a history with his dad playing for the Browns. So there's a lot of like side stories going on here. Uh, Bo Callahan, Sonny Weaver doesn't know a whole lot about as a player. They like they weren't they weren't in the spot. They were number seven. They weren't thinking right. about Bo because Bo's supposed to be going for number one pick. But so now that Sonny's made this trade, which is makes Larry's character the coach unhappy, but again, he's trying to appease the owner. So now it's all about Bo Callan. Now it's got like, okay, let's research this guy. Let's make sure we're doing everything we're not because I just gave up the world to be in that spot. So aside from that, 
the relationship between Garner and Costner's character, Weaver, is that they're dating, and of course, there's other side issues like she's pregnant now. But and she also works for the Browns. She's the one who is. She's the finances part of it. Yeah. She's the one who's in charge of the cap space and everything. And this is all on top of a week earlier, his dad died, who was used to be the coach of the Browns, and he actually had to fire him at one point because they weren't doing so well. Well, if you heard it, the one part where his mom. You know, they knew that he was he was sick, and his mom basically begged Son, Sonny Weaver. Well, Jr. I was going to get to that later. Oh, sorry. But uh, Go ahead. he fires his dad because the team's not doing well, and so we got to remember as you're watching this that this is all happening within a 12-hour period. So time is clicking off as we're going along here, uh, getting closer and closer to the draft itself. Um, obviously, as the tensions rise. Uh, as Nick will point out, with his dad passing, uh, his dad in the will had certain things that he wanted done with his ashes. So mom shows up in the midst of all On draft day. Right, shows up, and tensions rise between son and mother because he's like, I can't be dealing with this right now. I've got a lot going on my plate. Uh, He had tensions with his dad just because, not because of hate, but just because of the fact that he actually had to farm, which we'll now get to with what Nacko was pointing out. The mother knew that it was a health risk for Dad, told his son to get rid of him, but the son could not tell Dad that that was the reason why he was doing it. So, like, his dad kind of probably resented him a little bit for doing it, not knowing the reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got all this going on, and, you know, it, it, it actually is very well thought out, very well played out. They don't rush through it. You, you get an idea of, like, the emotion and everything that's going on. Uh, you feel for everybody, really, in, in all this, even for Garner, who is trying to deal with the emotions of now being pregnant, not knowing what's going to happen, because they're only dating. She, does, she doesn't really know where Weaver's head is at with this whole pregnancy thing, so it's kind of awkward when it starts the movie. So, back to the draft part of it. Um, finally, Weaver is just deciding that, okay, let me see if I can find a way out of this. They're about two hours close to the time they have to draft. So, now it's like, okay, what can I do to salvage whatever? Because they start to dig into Bo Callahan's uh, life and his prospect as a, as a player. And they're finding cracks in that wall. Like, they're like, um, hmm. And in the midst of this, Vontae Mack, who is, like, Weaver's favorite person right now going into this draft, Mack is like, look, I played against this guy. Pull up the tape and take a look at it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And this is what kind of starts this chain of events where Sonny Weaver's now got to find out, like, what it is that he's missing. Because everyone thinks Bo Callahan is, like, the shit, the man. He's, like, the highest prospect in this entire draft he plays quarterback of course so that helps so Sonny dives into the the, the college football footage of because uh, Mac played at Ohio State Bo was at Wisconsin and they had the game together and he realizes oh well in the early part of this game Mac is like destroying Callahan mm-hmm. he's like they cannot do anything to stop him Callahan's getting frustrated he's not playing well he was like just dumping balls like right so then as the game progresses callahan just starts throwing touchdowns he's getting the team back and to actually win the game 
So Sonny's asking the rest of the guys in the the war room there, uh, what are we missing? What happened here? So as he dials back the footage, they realize that when Callahan starts making his comeback, Mac's not in the game. So why is that? Well, Mac had picked up a fumble or an interception or something for a touchdown in that game and then took the ball and gave it to a fan in the stands who ended up being his sick sister who was ill from cancer or something who died a few months after mm -hmm. that game. No one really knew that. And, of course, Leary had Nichols laughing at Leary. He was like, well, boo-hoo, you know, we can't, we're not here for special needs. you got to keep your composure in these games and not do that. Um, but we also learned that Bo Callahan was not really liked by his teammates all that much. Like He's kind of got, like, a god complex because everybody loved, like, everybody but his teammates seemed to love him. Let's put it that way. Like, he was specially treated by the teachers and the coaches, and he was kind of... His head coach, Sam Elliott who did a great job in just short role, like, said, look... This is my best work. Are you really calling me about this shit? Really? <laughs> so, I mean, the coach makes a pretty good uh, counterpoint for him. Like, you know, cops may have just not avoided by taking anyone's names down, but we find out later that when Weaver has a discussion with Callan on the phone on draft day, or, or hours before they're going to... Or that's not even hours, like minutes before they draft... Callahan really doesn't have an answer for that. Like, he asked him straight up, did anybody go to your birthday party, 21st birthday party? He's like, you know, I don't really remember much from that night. And I think it was an embarrassing moment for Callahan, obviously, uh, to even be asked that, but it, it really sent a message to Weaver. And what ends up happening, and these are all spoilers, but, again... It's it, been out for seven years. It's worth watching this movie like sports movies anyway. So what ends up happening is... Weaver drafts Vontae Mack anyway at number one. When he could have had him at number seven. Right. He gave away three first-round draft picks to get up to number one and take the guy he's going to take all along anyway. Um, and Chadwick Boseman's face and reaction. Yeah, Bo, you have to realize Bowman or uh, Mack's whole thing is, I can't drop down past ten because you lose money. And at the time, this makes sense because how the... The, the draft picks and their money worked in terms of how much you get. They would guarantee, like, if you go in the in the top ten, you get, like, X amount guaranteed money based off of your contract. So right. there's, like, a guarantee and then your actual salary. And that plays a factor when we get to it about Seattle. Um, so here's what happens. They take Mac. Uh, Coach Leary is pissed off. I can't remember his, his, his acting or character name, but it's Leary, Dennis Leary playing. And they're upset. Everyone else in the war room is upset. The owner is upset because he specifically drove to the draft to give that shirt to Bo Callahan when they drafted him, and he went with Mac instead. So now Bossman's on his way to wherever they are doing their, their draft from. Um, so now Bo Callahan starts dropping down in the draft because other teams are like well we don't need a quarterback so we're just going to take who we want but it's screwing up everything it's screwing thought, it up for callahan because now everybody's like why didn't he why didn't he take callahan he traded up and he could have had mac at seven and what's wrong with callahan what's wrong with callahan seattle who is now sitting at seven are like oh well this is beautiful because we wanted Bo. now we have a chance to get him because fucking dumbass weaver took fucking mac at number one when he didn't have to so what happens is we have this 
particular young GM for Jacksonville at number six. And he's shitting himself because he don't know what to do here because now he has a shot at Callahan, but they don't really need the quarterback. So Weaver figures this out with a war room. They decide, okay, well, let's go play a game with Mr. Jacksonville GM. And Jackson, he's inexperienced. Right. You can tell he's, like, shitting his pants. Yeah, and, he, and when they're talking, he's like, Sonny, tell me what you know. What's going on? <laughs> you didn't take Callahan. And then, of course, you know, Weaver's like, well, I think Callahan's going to bust. And But what he does is he's like, look, you guys don't need him, and you guys can use this opportunity to drop down a little bit, get some more draft choices, and uh, we'll take this spot off your hands so it takes the pressure off now what he has to do is he has to give Jacksonville a couple more picks which are both two two straight second rounders and uh and that's almost a steal so this is the inexperienced gm who doesn't understand this because number six pick getting just two two or three second rounders isn't going to do it for you really uh but they they bite and it's fun so they bite on it and now it puts Cleveland back at number six. Um, so now, because I should point out, and we forgot to mention this, the Browns have a young quarterback in Drew who was, uh, had dealt with injury the year before and gotten better. And, of course, some of the teammates were very excited that he was getting better and playing better. So they were very... Uh, Trying to push Sonny not to draft a quarterback. This was before they even knew we, they had a number one pick. Now, obviously, once the team found out about it, Drew got very angry, destroyed uh, Weaver's office, and you know they had a, a little blowout talk uh, when that happened. So, don't don't forget to talk about when they were talking about uh, the playbook. Yeah, well, that's part of what goes back to Callahan, um, which is a good point that she brought up. Uh, generally, when teams are interested in a player, they'll send out their playbooks to see if they actually pay attention and read them. And one team in particular, I guess, tapes like a $100 bill at the back end of that playbook to see what happens. Now, various players do different things. Some say they never saw it, which means they probably took it, which means the player or the team just says, well, we can't trust them. Uh, Callahan had sent it back and they asked him of course did you read it and look it over and he's like yeah and they say what'd you think and then they then inform him that they did you not see the or did you see the hundred dollar bill and he's like oh yeah yeah I thought that was funny that was cute uh but they obviously knew that he lied he never even looked at it because he was just playing possum there and pretend that he did and he stuck to his, his lie. He, like, really stuck to yeah, it. Yeah, and there's a guy that's advising Sonny here about all this, and he says, you know who didn't do that? He said there's, He said that's the second weirdest comment that he got, the coach said to um, Sonny's advisor, saying that's the second weirdest comment that he got from a player. You and know, want to know what the first a, one was? And, Hold on to this until I win your Super Bowl. He says, I can't remember, what, what is his name? Brian he, Drew. Brian Drew. He Which says, is the quarterback for, for the Browns. Right. And Sonny's face was like, okay, that's, that's really good to know. He sent it. He sent the playbook back and the $100 with a note saying, keep this until I win you a Super Bowl. And uh, Sonny really started, he liked his quarterback. 
but he, yeah. he had gotten injured, so he was kind of unsure what Brian Drew I was going to do. Well, I think the biggest problem was the owner was putting so much pressure on him, and, you know, he was feeling it because his dad had a legacy there as a coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just so much going on, and, like, it was only his second year as GM. Like, he said, you know, I really wish Brian hadn't gotten hurt in the first, last year because that was my first year, and mm-hmm. we wouldn't really know where we are. So, anyway... That's before he takes Mac at once. And now we've got into where they've got pick number six. And this is where she gets really interesting because now he decides he's going to call up Seattle. And the guy that he talked to on Alien is like a sarcastic, arrogant prick. Like, it just, they really fleeced him when they took, when they moved up to number one to get seven. So now when he calls up them, they're kind of like gloating. They're like, Sonny! You're a genius, man. You you gave us three first round picks, and we can still get Bo Callen. Says, well, not really, because I'm at number six now. And then of course the room changes. They're like what? Yeah. So now, uh, again, this scenario is not really totally believable for me, just because I can't see a team giving up that that value. But again, Bo Callahan's like the golden child in this draft. So Sonny's there, and he's like, look. I'll, you, you have a chance here to move up one spot to get your boy. If not, I'm taking him. That's that's the ultimatum that they're getting. So now it's like, see, I was like, well, what do you want? And he's like, I want all my fucking picks. <laughs> 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 and at first he's like, nah, I can't do it. I look like I panicked. And he's like, now you have to remember the advisor guy, the black dude, black dude next to uh, Seattle uh, GM is telling him like, well, you know, Bow at six is a lot cheaper. Yeah, it saves us seven million in the in the cap space. Right, and they really want him. They they pretend they don't, but they really want Callahan because it's really going to save their ass. Seattle is looking for a quarterback, and they want this guy. So there's a moment the first time they had this discussion about the first three draft picks that, um, at first he offers Sonny just for two first round draft picks. And I think it was like a third or something. So when Sonny calls him back later while he's driving, he says, okay, let's let's make this deal. The two first rounders and the third. And he's like, well, life is different now than it was the last time we talked two hours ago. So now I want three first rounders and like Sonny's livid. At this he's point. like, what the fuck? Right. He ends up giving in. Of course, that's what gives him the first round pick. Now, Round two, uh, there's a funny moment that Neko and I really enjoy where uh, he's starting to get the Seattle guy to come around and give back those first three. So then he puts them on mute for them, but they can still hear what's going on on the other end. But he's talking to the warrior. He's like, what else do we need? <laughs> yeah. and, he's like, do we have a, the, uh, the guy from Seattle's like, do we have a deal? Hey, hey, where are you? But he has him on mute, so it's really like the Right, so then he's like, dramatic. what else do we need? And so Garner, who's paying she's like, Putney, because she's pretty knowledgeable what's going on with football. We so. need special teams. And, and Larry is like already really happy because he's got Mac, and now he's like, oh, yeah, 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 we need, we need, we need Putney. So then he gets back on speaker, and he's like, yeah, man, okay, uh, we want the first. We want our first rounders back plus Putney. And then the guy's like, "What? That's not what you said." He's like, "Well, well, it's a different world. It was in thirty seconds ago." So it, it's really kind of fine. Then you know, again, uh, Costner is really trying to sell this to this guy. So he's because he, he knows the guy on the other end is kind of like you know still wavering. So he's like, 
Look, you pan you pancaking motherfucker. motherfucker. You know you want this. I'm crazy. Take advantage of it. Do it. And he's like, everybody's calling for your head on on all the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. And and the funny thing is, is Kevin Costner doesn't know anything about Twitter or whatever nope. because earlier his mother said something about Monte Mac being on Twitter. Tweeting and, about it, yeah. And he's like, how do you even know about Twitter? I don't even go on Twitter. Right. So eventually Seattle caves and gives it to him. So Dan... Another one of the touching stories outside of Mac, which we saw his reaction when he got taken number one. He just was floored and crying, and it was all nice. Uh, the Ray Jennings running back, uh, they are going to take him at, at, at number seven because they're getting their seventh pick back. Um, so he tells Leary's, the coach Leary, to go ahead and make the call. And so Dennis Leary's like, hey, man, how would you like to be a Brown like your daddy? And he's like, oh, yeah. So that's a nice little moment there. Eventually, things are all calming out. Uh, they have like this after party where the players are showing up. Uh, Sonny Weaver is finally, you know, cooling things off with his mother, and uh, eventually tells her that she's going to be a grandmother, and it's all nice and sweet. And we get this final clip where the next season's starting, and of course the players are all there: Brian, Drew, uh, Jennings, and Mac, and they're excited for the season and then it kind of closes out like that but uh regardless of how you feel about most of this film if you watch it the final 15 minutes are just golden because it's some of the best stuff i've seen in sports movies period like you do not really expect that shit to play out like that but it's so amazing like it's so fun and it just gives you a good feeling overall like it's just a really amazing thing uh and it's done well. Yeah, it's it's written really well. It flows very nicely. It's paced nicely. Uh, it doesn't lag. Like, you know, you, one of the problems you can run into with, like, any given Sunday is it might be a little bit too long. It's uh, still a really good movie. But it, like, it is still a very great movie. But, you know, I when I compare it to this, the pacing is a lot different. And you just you get what you need in this, and that's all you need. Uh, it's 12 hours, and it's all condensed into two uh, there's a lot going on, but it's very fast-paced and fun. So it's a fun movie. It's called Draft Day. Kevin Costner is your lead. Uh, definitely something worthwhile for anyone. I love having it on DVD. Probably need a new one because the cover is starting to come off. So maybe I need it on Blu-ray or something. But yeah, I was. You know, I've been really a. Uh, I've been really happy with a uh, Draft Day. I. You know, I. Sometimes you watch a movie and you never go back to it. I've gone back to this a couple of times and I was happy to go back to it again. Yeah, it's one of those movies where really, like, it would come on TV and if you're not meaning to watch it, you'd probably just sit down and watch it because it's there. Like, there are movies like that. Uh, we talked about it before, like Airborne or mm -hmm. or some other like movie that you just wouldn't normally sit there and say, well, let's sit down and watch this. But if it's on TV... We'll watch it anyway. It's just it's one of those things. All right. Well, uh, we'll get back to the music here. Time for the music. Music. Uh, some against PR in here with Pat Riley, which I don't know why they named it after the coach's band, but uh, they're pretty good. I've listened to them a little bit. But uh, last episode, we uh, had a cover uh, done by Eulogist uh, last week uh, after a new record. 
Uh, but they were so excited that we played that they wanted us to play some more from their record. And this is one of their oh, original. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, their opening track uh, off their little EP there uh, from Eulogist is called Mausoleum of Atrocities. And here we go. Be with you in a few, folks.
Scott, this is Roger from No Moss. And also Ben from No Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. <laughs>
right, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with you. Getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos. Thank you very much for tuning in and checking us out. Hope you enjoyed the content. I've enjoyed the content. I like when you tell me some things um, about the songs, especially during our you know breaks in between. And um, you're telling me that we're getting a lot of positive feedback and we're having the bands give us positive feedback. And that's what I like. And honestly, everything that we do is just for the bands. We just, and it's our time to chill and hang out together. And, you know, I really wish I could take a half day every Friday because I feel totally rejuvenated. Right. And, you know, when I got home, it was, I, I told my boss, I was like, if I get home before the end of the workday, I might log back in, but I didn't get home until like, what, five, five thirty or so. And you're like, don't, don't log back in. Just don't do it. There, there's nothing you can do. It's the weekend. And I'm like, you're well, That's right. why I think if you can try to utilize like Sunday through Tuesday mm -hmm. while I'm working to just. That's what I do. That's when I work late, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I catch up on everything I need to catch up on. And I. I'm just, I, I, you know, I do like my new job, um, a lot. It's just way different than what I did before. And it's a lot more, um, time consuming. Yeah. It's time consuming because it's paperwork. My old job was time consuming because I physically could not be home. So if you kind of, and, and it was a good, uh, compromise because my old job, the base pay was not enough without me traveling. And I was going to kind of work it out where I kind of only went traveling once a year to kind of work it out and be, and my boss would have done that. My boss would have been fine with me. Just, you know, I'd be like, put me on for a long stint once a year. And then the rest of the time home this way, I'm home all the time. My pay is like 25% more than my base pay at my old job, but I'm home all the time. But it's a different kind of busy. I am uh, the gatekeeper. That's the best way to put it. I am the fucking gatekeeper. You want something done? You got to come through me. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, like I said earlier, we know we work it out. We got our stuff we got to do. We'll try to get some stuff banged out tonight for the topics next week. And it, it just felt nice yesterday, all that. We just chilled, watched movies, hung out with each other, and called it a day. We were up late. Too. We were. We because then we Joe turned Bob's on Joe fault. Bob, and I'm <laughs> like, "Oh my god, it's 3 a.m." And then when he, I got up, I, I get up at six to feed the cat just because she's meowing at me, and I feed her, go back to bed. I wake up again, and he's coming upstairs, and I'm like, "Oh, do you think we could like work on painting the porch a little bit?" And you're like, "Uh, it's almost three. And I'm like, oh my God, is it really? Why did you let me sleep this late? But we didn't go to bed until after 3 a.m. last night. Yeah, I knew I wasn't getting up early today, but nevertheless, uh, I talked about earlier in the show, uh, new music from Symphony of Heaven, whoop, whoop. new EP called Dead Winter Fields. Uh, this, this band has grown a lot. Um, I heard their release, their full length, the season of death back in 2017. Came, became friends with Logan on Facebook, talked to him here and there. Uh, they are Christian themed, which is very cool, but they're also a melodic black death metal band. Uh, very, very talented. Uh, very cool. They do a lot of great, uh, they've done some cool covers like horde covers and just some random stuff like that. Uh, 
I'm not sure when they're going to get another full length out. They've had like, you know, some splits, uh, singles, and now, of course, the EPs from last year and this year. Uh, but what I really appreciate about this particular album, uh, EP that they put out, a couple songs, and they're very, very good. You can see the growth with the band, and especially with Dead Winter Fields, which I'm going to play for you all now. I, I was telling Logan on Facebook that, dude, this shit sounds so much like Enslaved. He's like, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of that lately, so... He's kind of, like, feeling inspired. Right, so, yeah, uh, I know you'll you'll hear it from the beginning, because he's just... They're mixing up the clean and, and scratchy vocals, and it's just amazing. You know how I feel about Enslaved, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, so, we appreciate wanna... your people checking us out. Keep sending us. I, I know there's another... Uh-oh, promotional site that sent me some stuff oh, we're going to oh, next I thought, week. I thought you were like, yeah, there's another. <laughs> nah. We are totally supportive of all of our bands and all of the promotional sites and we, you know, we only do this once a week. That's why it's so long and honestly the best, I know some of our friends who listen to it, they will listen and they'll say, eh, this song's not for me, so they just fast forward through it and they'll be like oh this one is for me you know like it, some it's... people like it just for the talking so who knows <laughs> but it's a nice way to give yourself something like i have some of my favorite podcasts that i listen to uh just while driving to work or working from home and it's just for me when i listened to this it was really special when i was still traveling i would work in the in the shop on the ship and turn this on and i'd Clearly, I'd, I'd listen to the music, but I'd also get to hear Anubis's voice a little bit, and it kind of made me, you know, feel like I was at home. So, I really appreciate everyone listening to us, and um, we have lots of people to thank. And go ahead, baby. Yep. So, again, appreciate it all. Um, we'll have some great topics for you next week as well. Uh, like I said, we'll be doing uh, Mr. Tony of the Dead's. Uh, youtube channel on friday at 7 p.m eastern it is live when he does it but if you don't catch it then it's always on rerun so on his youtube page you can find it right mr tony of the dead very cool guy actually is in i can't believe that they're letting us hang out with them i feel like i'm hanging out with the cool kids yeah yeah we're now mega stars (laughs) (laughs) all right well here's some brand new symphony of heaven dead winter fields and we will see you all next week bye bye Thank you.